0: And this game is underway with a bang.
1: This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join
0: in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I know it's July 23rd, but it kind of feels like summer started yesterday. Right? With the return of... Brewers baseball. Well, I know the game didn't count. It was just a scrimmage. But it was the first time this summer that we actually had a game versus a different team. Like the Brewers were playing somebody other than the Brewers and it was in a ballpark other than Miller Park and it was on TV and there was a real scoreboard and there were real commercial breaks. It felt real. And even though it's July 23rd, we're almost August already. But it kind of feels like summer started last night. With the, with the return of the voice of Bob Eucher on WKTY and VA in the Rock on Fox Sports Wisconsin. The Brewers won the scrimmage for what it's worth. I mean, I guess they didn't win. They scored more runs through eight and a half innings last night than the White Sox did. The White Sox didn't even want to go to bat in the bottom of the ninth, which I absolutely loved. Like, let's wrap it up. Let's finish it up. Let, let's, get, let's allow the fans to go to bed and not watch meaningless baseball at the bottom of the ninth inning. And let's get on to the real thing on Friday. Avoid injuries? Yes. I'm all for skipping the bottom of the ninth inning. Like, I'm all for that. <laughs> let's, let's do that more often. Brewers, White Sox last night. It was a blast, and it feels like summertime and baseball are back. The real thing, back tomorrow. Brewers, Cubs tomorrow night. 6'10 first pitch on WKTY. Check the schedule at WKTYsports.com. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I hope you're having a great afternoon. We're going to talk a lot of baseball tonight. Well, actually, we're going to talk all baseball tonight. Finally! My long-awaited National League Central predictions. My picks for how the division is going to shape up. That's coming up in 10 minutes. I don't like doing predictions. I'm not not really a sports better. I don't like to predict scores. But at the beginning of every season, I like to predict how the NFC North is going to do. Vikings, Lions, Packers, Bears. And then at the beginning of baseball seasons, how are the Reds and the Pirates and the Cardinals and the Cubs, how are they going to do? With the NBA, I don't get into it as much because there's, what, eight Playoff teams in both conferences, like the the 7th and 8th seed in both conferences, they stink. So basketball, the playoff predictions, the playoff picture is a little bit different. But I always like doing predictions for the division of our teams, the NFC North, the NL Central, and just try to guess it, maybe how things are going to shake out. And at the end of the year, we'll revisit them and and see how right or wrong I was. I still contend that I was right about the Detroit Lions being good last year. They just suffered a lot of injuries and got unlucky. I will take that to my grave, and I will undoubtedly be just as stubborn about these predictions if they don't pan out. I will try to spin it in a way, (laughs) definitely try to spin it in a way uh, where I'm not proven wrong by the end of the season by my NL Central prediction. So those coming up in 10 minutes, we're going to talk to Hunter Baumgart coming up at 5.30. You hear him twice a week joining Dave Carney on the WKTY Morning Show, Hot News with Hunter B. We're going to talk with Hunter at 5.30 and get his predictions about how the division is going to look and talk about the Brewers. And also, just maybe if we have time, Talk about the WIAA and the announcement they made today because Hunter is part of our excellent team uh, that covers local games. Central, Alaska, Holman, Aquinas. He's part of that team and very much a part of local sports in this area. I mean, Hunter grew up in this area. He knows this area even better than I do. Maybe we'll talk about that because the WIAA made an announcement that impacts fall sports. And if we get time at the end of the show, we'll touch on that. I'm sure you saw the news. They're saying, hey, cross country and girls tennis, golf and swimming... Can start on schedule. But for now, the WIA is going to push back high-risk sports, which is football, volleyball, and uh, and and boys' soccer. So the boys, the fewer options. It's just the way the schedule pans out. We'll talk about that coming up uh, towards 6 towards o'clock. Let's start with talking about last night's scrimmage. I, I don't really know how to tackle this. Because it's not a real game, and it doesn't count, but it's the first legit competition we've had that isn't a scrimmage in what, since last October, right, for the Brewers? It's been a while. So I want to look at some of the details in this game. I don't want to overreact. I don't want to overhype anything. The scoring broke down this way. The Brewers won 5-3. to Keston Hira hit a solo homer. Christian Yelich hit a homer. Manny Pena hit a double. There's an RBI. And Orlando Arcee and Ben Gamble both hit solo homers as well. So the ball was flying out of the ballpark last night. Uh, the White Sox... Former Brewer Yasmani Grandal scored in the first inning, or the second inning, excuse me, on a ground out. Grandal reached base on a walk. So that's that's very familiar to Brewers fans. Yasmani Grandal getting on base any way possible and, and scoring on a fielder's choice, which I thought was very appropriate. The final score was 5-3. to three. The Brewers didn't win because the game doesn't matter, but they scored more runs. I guess that's the way to look at it. A couple of takeaways I had, and like I said, I don't want to overreact, but I, I do want to talk about this game from last night because it's the first live-action that we've seen from the Brewers since last October at least live action against another team. Let's start with Keston Hira. Keston Hira does not only have high expectations this year. He has high demand. Like he is no longer a fun prospect An exciting young player, uh, an exciting player to come up through the farm system. That, that that's that's going out the window. He is a must-have contributor in this Brewers lineup. If the Brewers want to win games, they're going to need to score runs and other than Christian Yelich, I don't I don't see a lot of proven commodities for producing runs. Yeah, I like Lorenzo Cain, but who knows? And I like Ryan Braun, but by the way, Braun struck out three times and grounded into a a double play last night. There's very few proven run-producing commodities in this batting order. Keston here needs to be a big one. They need him. And I know training camp and scrimmages aren't a good judge of anything, but God, he hit that home run last night and he, he got a hit in the first inning as well. Doesn't he make hitting look so easy? He looks so smooth. He... He hit this home run, and he went opposite field, and it was just a, a flick of the bat. Just a, a quick little stroke. It looks like he was just flipping the bat out in front of him, and he rode the ball all the way out to the opposite field in, in right center. And it reminded me of that walk-off home run he hit against the Cubs last year. Remember when Yelich and him went back-to-back to come back against Kimbrell at Miller Park in, in, in uh, yeah, that was last year? I He makes it look so easy. It's just a little flick, and it's out of there. It, it looks like it should be a little line drive or even a blooper, and then all of a sudden the ball carries out of the ballpark. I don't know what kind of season Keston here is going to have, but doesn't he make it look easy? Didn't that give you some faith and some excitement last night that Keston here is going to be able to produce some runs? Once again, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the game didn't count. It doesn't matter that it was against the White Sox. Just watching him hit, doesn't that get you excited about the possibilities for Keston here? Whether he's hitting second or third, I think they should hit him in the leadoff spot. Mostly because I don't think they have any other great options. But man, it is fun to watch. And and we got to remember that tomorrow's going to be Keston here's first ever opening day. He's still very young, and he is young, but the expectations are very, very high. The Brewers need him to produce runs if if they want to contend this year. So that was one takeaway I had last night, Kestin Hira. Another was Orlando Arcia, who conveniently also had a home run last night, but Orlando Arcia stuck out to me for a different reason. I'm not sure we've figured out Orlando Arcia yet. The year is going to be 2026, and Brewers fans are still going to be talking to each other, saying, well, if Orlando Arcia can just, I mean, just get the bat going, man, he can be a great player for long. 2030. You know, 10 years from now, man, Orlando a great defender, but if he can just get his back going, it feels like Orlando Arcia hits just well enough to keep us on the line, to keep us on the hook, right? I don't know what to think of Orlando Arcia. Last night, I, I was bored before bed, and I watched a video of all the Brewers' walk-offs in 2018. So when they got hot in September, and they ended up winning in game 163 and beating the Cubs, Yelich had that walk-off uh, a fielder's choice where Chris Bryant went to tag the bag at third, and then as the run was coming home, he went to try to turn two at first base. Yelich beat it out. Right? They had a lot of walk-offs down the stretch. And you know what jumped out to me? Orlando Arcia is always in the mix in big moments. It's not always pretty. It's not always beautiful. In in fact, it's it's sometimes quite ugly. It's a stark difference from what Keston Hero looks like at the plate. But he makes it work. And he's always in the mix in big moments. And if Orlando Arcia, especially this year with no hitter in the lineup, if Orlando Arcia hits in the nine hole he could almost work as a second leadoff hitter. If he could be a scrappy, on-base type hitter that's just a tough out, even if it's not pretty, he could almost serve as a second leadoff hitter, kind of like Alcides Escobar did for a short stretch when he was on the Brewers. And it could be a great help to the aging Lorenzo Kane if they decide to keep him in that leadoff spot to have Orlando Arcee in front of him. If he can just be a tough out, a tough out, it doesn't have to be pretty. If he can be a tough out, that would be huge, especially hitting in that in that nine spot without the pitcher spot this year as a second leadoff hitter. Okay, last thing that jumped out to me, Corey Knable. He's in the same boat as Keston Hira. He needs to be good for the Brewers to contend this year. That's not really negotiable. There is not a scenario in 2020 where Keston Hira is bad and the Brewers make the playoffs. I just don't see it happening. Very much like Corey Knable. I don't think there's a scenario where Corey Knable is bad this season and the Brewers make the postseason. It's non-negotiable. The, the difference with Corey Knebel is he's been in big moments before, and he was tremendous in 2018 down the stretch in the postseason. Keston Hira, tomorrow is his first opening day. Corey knebel has got a little bit more experience. He only faced two batters last night. He got two two outs. His curveball is dialed in. That That's really, really reassuring, because coming off Tommy John Surge, I would imagine at least at first his velocity is going to be down a little bit from where it was at 95, 96. Maybe he's throwing 92, 93, 94 miles an hour. But if his curveball is dialed in, the velocity might not be that important. It might not be that big of a factor. His curveball looked dialed in last night. He's said in interviews that he's comfortable throwing it behind in the count for strikes. That's very reassuring. Canable faced two batters, looked sharp, council saw enough, and pulled him. That was reassuring to see Corey Canable come in and, and look comfortable, and as he's leaving, almost with a smile on his face saying, hey, you know what, I made it. I made it back. I know it's only two batters, and I know it's an exhibition game, but felt good. Right, and and there were some smiles in that little huddle when Council came out to to pull him out. Council used seven pitchers last night. I don't know if that's an indicator of how he will manage things in the regular season. I I don't think the norm is going to be seven pitchers in every game, but I think Craig Council will be really flexible, and he won't be afraid to pull pitchers and try different things and try different arms in different spots. I think last night, as much as anything, Craig Council just wanted to get as many guys a, a chance to throw live against another team. Right? Josh Hader came in. I think he faced two batters. Corey Canable faced two. He was just running guys through there because I think he wanted as many pitchers to have an opportunity to throw as possible. I don't think... There's, there's no way Craig Council uses seven arms a game. But I, I, I think he will be flexible and he won't be afraid to try things. Adrian Hauser, by the way, was pretty good last night against a pretty good lineup. Four and two-thirds innings pitched. He only gave up one run and it was off a, a ground ball. Five strikeouts, only one walk and that was... Yasmani yeah, Grandal who's a tough customer at the plate. I... That was reassuring last night. Adrian Hauser, I think, finally is in a stable position as a starter where he's not asked to go up and down to the majors, the minors, the bullpen, the starting rotation. I think Adrian Hauser is is set for a successful season just because he's finally in a position and in an atmosphere to succeed. He's finally got a winning hand. All he's got to do. Right now, it's just the easy part to pitch well. And I think Hauser hopefully gave a little taste of that last night. Okay, when we come back, the long-awaited National League Central predictions. I'm going to give you who I think is going to finish. Fifth, fourth, third, second, and first. About where the records are going to shake out and my evidence and my reasoning for it. I don't expect you to agree, but hopefully you can understand my logic. And it'll be fun to revisit these in a couple of weeks when, when we're well underway uh, and the standings start to figure this themselves out. A lot of Brewers talk is we're about 24 hours from opening day. Brewers, Cubs, tomorrow night. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. Speaking of local sports and high school football, the WIAA made an announcement earlier today. Some sports are going to be good to go on time in mid-August. August August 14th, or 17th was it? Cross country, girls tennis, girls golf, and girls swimming will be good to go. However, more high-risk sports are going to be pushed back until September Seven. That's football, boys' soccer, and girls' volleyball. A little bit of a bummer for boys' sports. Yeah, look, I love cross-country. I ran cross-country in high school. But other than that, most of the options, the low-risk sports, are girls' sports. So we're going to talk about that coming up in about a half hour. I-, I don't think the news is as bad as everybody thinks. I'm going to put a positive spin on it. That's coming up before 6 o'clock. In the meantime, it's time. I've been teasing this for over a week mostly because I've been putting it off for a week, doing the research and actually making the decisions. My NL Central predictions, and I know you all look forward to this. I know you've been waiting with bated breath for weeks. I like doing this because I like putting myself in a position uh, to be very wrong, because I will be wrong about at least one of the teams in the NL Central, if not all of them, right? Like these predictions aren't going to play out. They never do. My NFC North predictions I thought were pretty good, I didn't predict that Mitch Trubisky was going to be as bad as he was. And Matt Nagy was going to be as bad as he was. And I also thought the Lions were going to be pretty good. And I swear the Lions were good. But Matt Stafford got hurt. They traded everyone away. And they got unlucky in a couple really, really close games. Two of them against the Packers. Another against the Cardinals. So I will I will go down with the ship with my take. I will not bail on my take. I'll fight tooth and nail to prove myself correct. Let's do this. NL Central predictions. Five through one. We'll count them down. The fifth team is easiest. The Pirates are going to get fifth place in the NL Central. And credit to the Pirates, they might be the best last place team in any division in Major League Baseball. And I think their manager, Derek Shelton, gets it. He said earlier this week, I really don't care what the pundits think. Of course, of course, <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of parity throughout baseball, especially in our division. And I'm excited for that. There are some teams in our division that did some things this offseason, which seemed like a long time ago, to put them in a better place. I'm really happy with where we're at. Haven't seen it, not concerned about it. I'm excited to be in St. Louis on Friday. I think Derek Shelton gets it. He's like, look, we're probably not the best team in our division, and I understand why people are picking us to, to get last, but this is a really top to bottom, very close division. And the Pirates, as far as la- they're not the Baltimore Orioles, as far as last te- last place teams go, they're doing pretty well. I think the the entire division top to bottom could be decided by as little as five, six, seven games. The Pirates are bad as far as the, the, the division goes. They're going to get last. But in the grand scheme of things, they're probably the best last place team in Major League Baseball. I think the Pirates will go somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 and 35, which puts them about 10 games under 500. I, I don't see the Pirates losing more than 35 games. I think they'll win 25 or more. 25's on the low end. That's being pretty harsh to the Pirates who have a pretty good young rotation and and some decent players here and there. Okay, so that's number five. Number four, the fourth place team in the NL Central. This is a tough choice. I think the Cincinnati Reds. I think the Cincinnati Reds are going to get fourth. And one to four is going to be packed within two or three games. The Pirates are going to trail behind first place, six or seven. Four to one could be decided by two games. I think the Reds are the White Sox of the National League. They made a lot of additions. They got Mike Moustakis, Nick Castellanos, Wade Miley, and I love their pitching coach, and I love their pitching staff. But, very similar to the White Sox, I need to see it before I believe it. Same with the Cleveland Browns. Like, they're very good. Their roster is very good. But is anyone betting money on the Browns to win the Super Bowl? No. Because of the organization and their recent history, we we need a little proof. Right, like We can take a flyer on the Packers, take a flyer on the Patriots or the Steelers. They've built up a certain cachet, a certain reputation. What do the Reds have, at least in my lifetime? I need to see it before I believe it. I like the rotation and the pitching coach, but let's be real. What does starting pitching really mean in 2020? How much of an advantage does a great starting rotation give you over a team with an average rotation like the Brewers? I don't know. I think the Reds will go somewhere in the neighborhood of 30-30. I think they'll be about 500, which will put them in striking range Of the top of the division. They'll be right there. So saying the Reds are fourth place doesn't mean they're terrible. doesn't mean they're bad. It just means that they will be in fourth place, even if it's by a difference of one or two games. Cincinnati Reds, I think they'll get fourth place. Number three, the St. Louis Cardinals. People forget, not to be cliche, but people forget that the St. Louis Cardinals were 500. They were 44 and 44 at the All-Star break last year. And then after the midsummer break, they went 47 and 27. They got hot. And they rode really good pitching, especially Jack Flaherty, who's become their young ace. Jack Flaherty in the second half last year had an ERA of .092. He had an ERA under one in the second half. Couple of reasons why I, I think the Cardinals will pull back a little bit in 2020. They rode a hot streak last year to make it into the postseason. That's great. But bring everybody back to equilibrium. Bring everybody back to ground zero. I think the Cardinals are at a couple disadvantages. First, I think their strength is their starting rotation. Jack Flaherty, their young ace, most of all. But once again, how much does great starting rotation, how far does great starting pitching get you in 2020? There's only 60 games. Jack Flaherty's only going to make 12 starts at best. At best. And remember, their best reliever, Jordan Hicks, is going to sit out the season. I put the Cardinals above the Reds on reputation alone. Because as soon as you count out St. Louis, they prove you wrong. They've been doing it my entire life. Brewers fans listening right now who are 40, 50, 60 years old, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's always been the case. As soon as you count out the Cardinals, they prove you wrong because that's what the Cardinals do. I think there'll be a few games over 500 and slightly better than the Reds. I think the Cardinals will be 32 and 28. Just a small handful of games over 500. They will get third place. Second place, the Milwaukee Brewers. I've really talked myself into the Brewers over the last couple of weeks, and maybe that's me being a fan. Maybe that's me being starved of sports. It's probably a combination of a lot of things. I'm starting to talk myself into the Brewers, not offensively. I I think they're going to have some issues scoring runs. Losing Grandal and Moose really, really hurts. I like Keston Hira, but they're going to ask Keston Hira to carry the load. Keston Hira is their young, exciting prospect. Think of the Dodgers with Gavin Lux, who's their exciting young prospect. What is Gavin Lux going to do, hit sixth? Seventh, especially with the DH, right? I I love Keston Hira, but he's going to have to be one of the Brewers' best players. And there are teams in the National League who have great home run hitting, offensive powered young players who just out of the farm system like Gavin Lux at the Dodgers, but the Dodgers aren't going to ask Gavin Lux to carry the load. The Brewers are going to have to. I, I think offensively they have some issues, but I do really like Craig Council and the pitching staff. That gives me a lot of excitement and confidence. Craig Council has a lot of pitchers that can play in uh, what's the word, amorphous role. They can switch from starters to relievers, openers, closers. That's really, really important, and I think that flexibility is going to get the Brewers over the hump, at least over the hump of the Reds and the Cardinals. I actually think the Brewers, very similar to the Cardinals, will just be a couple games over 500. I think the Brewers will go about 32-28. and 28. They'll win 32-33 games. Just barely over 500, neck and neck with the Cardinals. That's where I think they'll be just based on the managing of Craig council and the pitching staff i think they'll have just enough offense assuming christian yelich plays like an mvp and they'll just barely be there with the cardinals right over 500 this is going to be a dogfight of a division right all the remember all these games are played in the division so it's going to be really difficult for one of these teams to just run away with things because they're going to beat up on each other i think the brewers will battle with the cardinals for second or third place slightly better than the pirates and the reds i think the pirates will be a couple games under 500 and the reds will be about 500 That leaves, in first place in the NL Central, my prediction, the Chicago Cubs. This has nothing to do with David Ross, their new manager, and it has nothing to do with any of their new signings. There aren't many. They signed Nico Horner and Jason Kipnis. I guess they have Jeremy Jeffress now. It's it's not anything to do with that. The Cubs are very good. In the last couple of years, they have been very good. I think we've forgotten about that. They've been unlucky. They've dealt with injuries. Contreras got hurt down the stretch last year, and Ben Zobris just wasn't available last year. He would have been a big part of that team. The bullpen was blowing leads. They had no business blowing. Like they were the, Watching the Cubs get to the 7th, the, the, the 8th, ninth inning with a lead last year was entertaining to watch as a Brewer fan, because they couldn't hold a lead to save their life. It wasn't just here and there they were blowing games. Every other night, they were blowing a lead in the late innings. Now, the Cubs really haven't solved the issue of the bullpen, but I think their offense is going to be incredible incredible and remember this might be the last rodeo for the current iteration of the Cubs remember Chris Bryant Javi Baez Kyle Schwarber are all going to be free agents Anthony Rizzo could be a free agent too now there's options involved so we'll see which way they go but potentially in 2020 Bryant Baez Schwarber and Rizzo could all be free agents if things fell the right way they're going to be motivated to get this done this year especially for their new guy David Ross I think Ross gives them some energy. He might be the perfect boost for a 60-game season. I don't think managing he's going to make a huge difference, but it's going to have a different feel, a different energy, and in a 60-game season, that might be enough to get the Cubs across the finish line. I think the Cubs are going to go about 34 and 26. I think they're going to win 34, 35 games, four or five you know, wins over 500, and I think this year that's good enough to win the NL Central. Now, Major League Baseball announced today that they're going to expand the postseason to 16 teams. And regardless of record, the second place team in every division also gets to make the postseason. So even if the Brewers go 500 and take second in the division, or the Cardinals or the Reds, they're in. Which is fascinating. The Brewers could win 32 games, go two games over 500 to make the postseason, not even win their division. Think about that. It's going to be fascinating. I think the Cubs will win the division, but they'll only be four or five games over 500. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be flashy. The numbers aren't going to jump off the page. It's... It's going to be ugly, all these games in the division. But I think it goes Pirates, Reds, Cardinals, and Brewers fighting closely at 2-3. and And then the Cubs win, because I think the Cubs are just kind of due. Brewers fans, don't you feel like the Cubs are due? The Brewers have got some lucky breaks, and they've made their own luck the last couple of years, too. But I think the Cubs just have too much talent, especially offensively. And it it depends. If Hugh Darvish is great, that's just another huge advantage the Cubs will have this year that they haven't the last couple. Now, it's a big if. But the Cubs are a really good team, and I think this is the year where where just maybe it all comes together. When we come back, we're gonna talk to Hunter Baumgart. We're gonna talk Brewers and get some of his predictions. Maybe he agrees. Hopefully he disagrees with mine. That makes for fascinating conversation. I hope he I hope he is offended that I have the Brewers second or the Cubs first or the Reds fourth. I like I hope he takes moral offense to one of my predictions and we can talk about it coming up next. We're also gonna talk local sports, the WIAA making some announcements today that impact fall sports which we're going to start here in just a couple of weeks. We're coming down to it. A lot of good stuff coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. Stay tuned. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for hanging out. If you want to share your thoughts on the start of the MLB season, there's a couple games on tonight, but most of the league, including the Brewers and the Cubs, start up tomorrow. If you want to share your thoughts, shoot me a text 608-796-2558. On the five-star telecom talking text line, we're doing some predictions, some predictions. And while talking to Hunter Baumgart off the air, it sounds like our predictions are actually pretty similar, which is good to hear. Hopefully that means we're both being smart and rational, but also a little disappointing because I was kind of hoping for an argument. Hunter Baumgart now joins us on the five-star telecom talking text line. Hunter, I was a little surprised last night how hard that game hit me. Hearing the voice of Bob Uecker and watching Christian Yelich hit a home run and seeing to put it simply, seeing live competition on my TV, I almost got a little emotional. I don't,
1: I don't feel lame admitting that. What, what was last night like for you? No, I, you, you shouldn't feel lame, and I don't think anybody should. I actually didn't get a chance to see it. I was, um, I was seeing my grandparents last night, so I was not able to see it. So, um, I think that'll kind of be uh, Friday night. You know, when I listen to it, um, you know, either on the way home from work or something like that, uh, and then, and then watch it later. But I think. It's gonna be. It is like that because we went. We didn't. We didn't know when baseball was gonna be back. We didn't know when sports were gonna be back. So this is completely. This is completely different. And something that we haven't went through at all in our lives, and a lot of people haven't went through in our lives. And so it's going to be. I think kind of the same way for me. I saw somebody tweet last night that he he uh, was the same as you. He's like I heard Bob Eucher and I almost started crying. So I mean, and it also shows how special these people are to us and to us as fans, and and how of a, how much of an attachment we have to these people even though we most of us have never met these people at all or, or talked to them it's just been they've been talking to us through their radio and we've been seeing these games throughout our lives and that's just been a mainstay when that is it's taken from us we see how important it is so i am super excited for this for this season to start to hear bob Bucher and see it on tv
0: short wisco sports show tomorrow night 5 35 pregame and then the tip will be at six ten. opening day for the brewers at wrigley field now there won't be fans but Still a pretty cool venue and a cool matchup to and an urgent matchup to start a 60-game season. So Hunter, let's talk about the scrimmage last night before we get into our predictions. I'm not trying to blow anything out of proportion or take anything too seriously, but here are my really quick takeaways and bullet points. You tell me if I'm being reasonable or if I'm overreacting. There's just a couple, okay? So Keston here hit a home run last night. He makes hitting look super easy. He hit an opposite field home run very similar to his walk-off against the Cubs last year, where it was just a little flick. He makes it look so easy. That gives me confidence. Not just that at bat, but that was a reminder. Hopefully Keston here can contribute a lot of runs this year. That's point number one. Uh, point number two, Corey Canable looked sharp. His curveball looked really clean. He said multiple times that he's excited and, and he's willing to throw that for strikes and down in the count, which is good to hear because they're going to need him to be great uh, this year if they need to eat up innings alongside Josh Hader. That was takeaway number two. And takeaway number three, Arcea had a home run. He always seems to like, for as much as we hate on his offense, he always seems to put himself in the mix. Offensively, if you go back and watch 2018 highlights from September and late in the year, he's just always fighting at the plate. It's never pretty; like it's always very ugly. But he makes he somehow finds a way to be productive. So those are my three takeaways and things that I'm going to be thinking about moving forward. If there's anything that you've taken away from spring training 2.0, summer training, or scrimmages, what have you noticed the last couple of weeks? And what are you focused on heading into opening day and the season starting tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I think I think those are three great points. Keston here is a guy, and you said it on my podcast this week when we talked about the Brewers season preview. He has to be great this year. You said it. You said yeah. he has to be great, and I completely agree. He has to be a guy that is not this, you know, just this prospect. He has to be this guy who's going to really help the team. And I really think with with the way he plays defense, that it's it's suspect at times. Um, I think. He- him in that DH role could really help if Ryan Braun is not able to to play as many games as we think with this back soreness or whatever he has. And so if he's able to be in the DH role, you have a bunch of infielders like Eric Sogard, like Jake Jericho, uh, who, like Ronnie Rodriguez, all these different guys who can fill in that second base position and play better defense. So, and Keston York can focus on his hitting, and like you said, he makes it look easy. So, that's that's a big thing. Another guy who's made it look easy throughout, and, and, and actually had a home run last night as well, Ben Gamble. This guy yeah. has come in, and he's changed a little bit in his swing, it sounds like. It sounds like he's made some adjustments, and he really has looked good in these inter-squad scrimmages, and then against the White Sox last night. And that is big for the outfield, because you have you Ronnie Brown who probably is going to DH more than he plays out there. Obviously, you and Kane, but then that right field position is going to be kind of a platoon with Avisio Garcia, who's looked good so far as well, but if Ben Gamble can kind of take a hold of that position and be good throughout the season, I think that's really going to help the outfield you know, offensively, and hopefully Kane can bounce back. He's a guy who, of course, had a really good 2018, and then in 2019, last year, he, had, he was so-so, so I'm really hoping Lorenzo Kane can come back and, and bounce back this year, because then you have a an outfield of Yelich, Kane, you know, in their 2018 form, and Yelich, of course, in his 2019 form as well, and then a, a Ben Gamler and a VCO Garcia who can hit the ball as well, and that lineup looks starts to get really dangerous if you really take it in uh, with Keston Hira, as well as maybe Omar Navajas as well, so I'm looking forward to this lineup coming into the season. But of course, the pitching staff is gonna is gonna take some headlines as well with Corbin Burns pitching well, uh, and of course, Brendan Woodruff lights out and well deservedly the opening day starter on Friday. But Corbin Burns getting that second spot, um, and then Freddie Peralta on Sunday. So you're you're counting on two younger guys here, Burns and Peralta, and I mean Woodruff, if you count him as young as well, that. You know, this is their time now. I mean, this is, we've waited. We've The last couple of years, they've been in and out. This is their time. And so they need to take a hold of it if, if I'm Burns and I'm Peralta.
0: Well, we're basically trying this again. We tried this in 2019 to turn over the mm-hmm. rotation to Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. Woodruff was able to handle it, but Woodruff, give him credit. He's been up and down between the majors and minors. He's pitched in the bullpen. He's gone back and forth like, Brandon Woodruff has slogged the slog, for lack of a better term. And I he feels as though he has arrived and he's gone through, he's faced that adversity. Burns, not so much. And I think Freddie Peralta is doing it right now. So hopefully a year removed from well, kind of a disastrous year for Corbin Burns and a and a less than great year for Freddie Peralta. Hopefully they're ready to take over. Uh, Hunter Baumgart joining us on the five-star telecom talk and text line. It's the Wisco Sports Show. Let's let's do this. The long-awaited NL Central predictions. I went Pirates <laughs> at five, and I think that's the one thing you can lock in. But I don't think the Pirates are, are horrendous. I think they're probably the best last-place team in, in Major League Baseball. I think they probably, like, what, win 27 games. So not embarrassing by any stretch. They get last. I think the Reds are up next at fourth. I think they'll go around 500. I need to see it before I believe it. That's kind of my motto with the Reds, and that would be my motto with the White Sox, too, if I was a Twins fan. Cardinals and Brewers are going to be second and third, and I think they're going to duke it out slightly above 500. You know, two or three games above 500, and they're going to go back and forth. And I think the Cubs, things just start to fall into place this year for the Cubs, because the last two years, the Brewers have been lucky. They've made their own luck, too. they put themselves in the position to get hot, and Craig Council has managed that team in a way that has allowed them to get hot and succeed, but... I think the Cubs just, this is their year. I think it has to be. They're too good not to win the division this year. How do you feel about those predictions?
1: Well, I think you might have been reading my mind like identically or something yes. or we, were, we we did this prediction time uh, together before the show which we didn't everybody just so you know we did nothing none of this together we just talked about this I haven't for the seen first you, I time. mean I
0: haven't seen you in what 3 weeks now I haven't seen any of my coworkers <laughs> right. other than like Rick Solom who hosts the political <laughs> show on our sister I don't see anybody I sit in here and I shut the door every day I I'd mean, be like I haven't seen you forever we're not doing predictions together
1: exactly so just that that disclaimer is out there but so I think I, I I basically the same order. I do think the Pirates are worse though. I think they're just they're just bad this okay. year. I think they go with like twenty and forty. I really I'm really down on the Pirates. And then I, I am the same way with the Reds. I had you know you have to see it to believe it. And I think with this team, sure you know their pitching staff is going to be decent, right? They've got Trevor Bauer. They've got Sonny Gray. They got Wade Miley and a good, good young guy in Luis Castillo. They've got a good pitching staff. But then their their offense, I think, is going to be so. So I think Mike Moustakis, since he got the big deal and he's been pretty good for the Brewers the last two years, I think he falls off this year a little bit. And maybe that's just me hoping that because he's on the Reds, I don't know. But um, and then you got you know the catcher Tucker Barnhart, never been a great hitter. Sure, Joey Votto can still hit for sure, but I don't know if he's going to be as good. So I'm just looking at this lineup and thinking, okay, you got Eugenio Suarez, who had an outstanding year last year at third base for yeah, them. He's, he's but a beast. Then, Absolutely, absolutely. So, but then otherwise, I'm not really loving their lineup. So I think the pitching might be good. But again, you're counting on a guy like Sonny Gray, who hasn't been like lights out the last couple of years. Wade Miley, who's been up, very solid for the Burrs, but up and down, and, and for the Astros as well. And then the Cardinals, I think, because they're the Cardinals, they compete for a division title, like uh, literally, like yes. like you were saying a couple of minutes ago. They because they're the Cardinals, that's why that's well, why they're going to well, go. Hunter,
0: here's here's yeah. the perfect way to put it. I I need to see it to believe it with the Reds. I I don't with the Cardinals. Right? Like I, I'll yep. believe the Cardinals because they're the Cardinals. I think that's comparing those two teams explains it perfectly.
1: Exactly, and they have a good manager now. Mike Schilt shouldn't have been the manager of the year last year, but we're not going to get into that right now. But he he is he is a good manager and knows how to use his players. I do think the Cardinals and Brewers are thirty two and twenty eight or thereabouts. I think yeah. they both are about the same. And then yeah, I do think the Cubs win the division at thirty-four and twenty-six. And the reason one of the reasons I believe this is David Ross is now the manager there. And I know it's his first time managing a team like ever. And I get that. He didn't work his way up through the minors. He you know, he just came in and he's gonna coach a major league team and the Cubs nonetheless. But I think he's gonna be a lot like Council, where he comes in, he's familiar with the guys, he's familiar with Wrigley Field, he's familiar with everything, and in a season that is so different. I think that continuity is really going to help that team because he was with this team and played with most of these guys like Rizzo and Bryant and all these different players. And I think towards the end, maybe Joe Madden was falling upon deaf ears a little bit with it, with what he was doing. And so I think these guys needed a change. That's what they got. And they have they have still a strong team. Like they have just so much talent on that team to go to not be good. Like you said this yeah. year. So I'm looking for that team. It depends. Obviously, I think their pitching is a little suspect as well. I think Quintana looks a bit iffy with news that he had thumb surgery, and he's out for, you know, looks like to be out the next couple of weeks. Um, but otherwise, you got Kyle Hendricks, you Darvish there. We'll see what Craig Kimbrell can do. If he can bounce back, look out in that bullpen. So, I think the Cubs do win the division by just a couple games, but I do think it's a, I mean, these these top four teams are going to be close, especially I think the Cardinals, Brewers, and Cubs are going to be close at the top of the
0: division. Well, between Contreras- being hurt last year, and Zobers being out, and like I, I just feel like the Cubs have been right there, and it just hasn't happened for them. And with the 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 opposite for the Brewers, right? Like they've created ways to succeed. The, the Cubs have created ways to fail, and I think that stops this year. I think the Brewers have a great shot to make the postseason, but I, I think the Cubs are the best team uh, in this division. Really quickly, Hunter, before I let you go, because you're a part of our our, our team that covers local games on WKTY and our sister stations all over the Cooley region. What do you think about this WIA proposal that was passed? It was a vote of 8 to 2, so it passed with flying colors. They're saying, "All right, low-risk sports, you can start on time. High-risk sports, we need a couple of more weeks." What did you, how did you read that this morning? What did you think when you read that news?
1: There, yeah, there's so much that goes into this, right? Because you're you're saying, "Okay, this is where you guys can begin." We don't even know if like some of these schools are in person yet. Like we're we're not even to that point yet, and we're like, you know, mid to late July now. And you're you know you're you're making plans about sports when you, when you don't know then you know the what what you know sports are an extracurricular activity right? Yeah. S- school is what that comes from. So it's just I think it's interesting that we're you know we're making plans and I think we have to be because you have to be thinking about all the aspects of school which includes extracurriculars. But I think and I and I don't want to say this because you know I want to be in a booth calling football games you know as much as you and 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 anybody else on our team. But I think. I just think that this might go like like I think college football work will go where they delay it they delay it and eventually it doesn't happen because I feel like this they're not professionals there isn't there isn't a demand sure there's money that goes into more so college than high school that that is going to play in all this and more for high school sports it's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of safety issues and and things like that that are going to be on the forefront of the mind whether you know in college there's going to be a lot of money that's going to be on the forefront of the mind but i think i think it's going to be okay we we, right now looks like practice for football is going to start september 7th we get to close you know we get to mid-august we realize that everything's kind of still the same then I think maybe they delay it one more time and then maybe they have to cancel it. Because I think eventually it's going to be like, you know what, I I don't know if we can actually do this this year with all the health risks. And so especially if school becomes maybe all online or maybe they start in person, but then they have to go online within the first month or something like that. I think that's going to have a lot to do with it. So I'm maybe it's pessimistic of me to think it's eventually going to get canceled, but I th- just think it's so hard to play high school sports this year, especially like a football. Maybe you can do a cross country where you are spaced out and you do everything right, but again, you know these are high schoolers and you know they, you can't control them all the time, etc. So. It's going to be tough. I think it's going to be real tough to have these sports, and as much as I want high school football this year, I do think it's going to be tough. But again, it could happen, and maybe we'd see a, a downtick in numbers and maybe things get better, but as we've seen over the last couple of months, it's really stayed the same or maybe even gotten a little worse. So I just don't know how that can contribute to a to a. normal high school football season or even a delayed high school football
0: season yeah and in lacrosse county we've done a decent job at least i think i I wish somebody at the health department or at some organization either on the statewide or countywide level would come out and say hey okay well this is the direction we're trending and this is good or bad because case numbers have been dropping we've been in the single digits or we've been below Mm -hmm. 20 after previously being in the high 20s near 30 and to me that's a good thing i don't know like i said i i wouldn't know because everybody cherry picks the number that fits their narrative. I just have a hard time believing that if it's not if we're not able to play right now with students coming back to Viterbo and UWL, I, I don't see how this improves in the next mm-hmm. couple of weeks, but I, I hope that I am wrong uh, in, in that gut feeling. Hunter, I appreciate the time. I know you're going to enjoy the Brewers this weekend, so sit back, relax, enjoy time with your family, enjoy the summer weather this weekend, and, and enjoy Brewers. Let's talk again soon, buddy.
1: Yes, for sure. We've uh, we're like 15 minutes away from a major sport being back. You know, one of the the, the it's going to be the first one of the four major sports to be back and in play games that count, and it's coming up in like 15 minutes. It's unreal because literally the last four months we've had we had no clue when this was going to happen. So it's exciting. So hopefully people enjoy it.
0: Enjoy it, and uh, and we'll talk again soon, Hunter. Once again, that's Hunter Baumgart. Appreciate the time, man. Uh, Hunter Baumgart, He does the Hunter Baumgart Sports Podcast. You hear him twice a week with Dave Carney in the morning. Hot news with Hunter B. I, I want to say a couple of things on local sports really quick. Uh so let's take a break. Let's not waste any time. I want to come back, share with you the news from the WIA if you haven't heard it and put a positive spin on it. As much as I can put a positive spin on it to wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. <laughs> Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out. And a big thanks to Hunter Baumgart for checking in for a couple of minutes and basically just agreeing with my predictions. Great minds tend to think alike like that, Hunter. So I I appreciate your good takes and your conversation as always. Uh, possibly the biggest news of the day outside of baseball coming back and maybe the news that impacts us most here in the community is the announcement that the WIAA made this morning regarding fall sports. They approved this plan by a vote of 8-3. to Now, practice for lower-risk sports is going to be permitted starting August 17th for cross-country, which is co-ed, girls' golf, girls' swim, and girls' tennis. Now, unfortunately, the boys' fall sports are just a little bit more heavy on the contact. Football, soccer, and then girls' volleyball as well. Those higher-risk sports can begin practicing September 7th, possibly. I could see that changing. But as of right now, cross-country and then girls' golf, swimming, and tennis is good to go in in mid August. I I know that I know that people are disappointed about high school football and we're focused on high school football and I understand, right? Nobody well, you don't want these kids to miss out on their senior season. Well, I mean, let's not downplay the importance of senior seasons in other sports as well. I know football is the one that gets the press and it's the sport that we talk about and it's the sport we broadcast on WKTY. I'm not downplaying the loss of football or soccer or girls volleyball. We watch the local news. You know, we read the papers and we listen to the radio to keep up with all of our local teams. Holman football last year, a couple of rounds into the playoffs. I mean, Drew Kelly and me were hightailing it to towns I've never even heard of on the other side of the state to cover that team, right? We care about local high school football teams and we should. I know some of you are disappointed that only cross-country girls, golf, girls, tennis, and girls swimming are going to be offered. And I would love if there was one more option for boys sports. Maybe soccer. I, you could maybe find and twist a way to get soccer in there as well. I know that we're all upset that we may not have football, at least not right away under this decision, but if this is really about the kids and it's about their development and their physical fitness and their social life, I find this to be really good news that as of right now, cross country is an option and then for girls, golf, swimming, and tennis is an option as well. And maybe like, what about this? What if football and soccer aren't able to play? What if they open up golf in the fall and the spring for boys, right? Just as another option, right? To give young men another option other than cross country, if that's not everyone's bag. Now, I would personally recommend a cross country to anybody and everybody because it's an amazing sport. I ran cross country in in high school. I, I don't think there's a sport like it. It has an amazing culture and it's, it's amazing socially and it is amazing for you. You're in incredible shape. These sports, golf, tennis, swimming, cross country, swimming as well. I was a swimmer too. These sports have amazing cultures and will do wonder for these kids after being at home and doing nothing the last couple of months if they're allowed to be played. If there's no football and soccer on girls' volleyball, that will be terrible, and I hope that we can make it up in the spring or the winter or figure out a way so these kids don't get shorted out of their senior season or, or any season of any of their favorite sports. But if the reality is that only cross-country is offered for boys and only swimming, tennis... And, uh, and swimming are offered for girls. Like, that. I think that's, that's, there's a silver lining there because kids will have an option. Kids will have an option to be around people and in the case of cross-country and tennis, be outside. Like, you can be outside in the fall. It's beautiful. That's an amazing part of cross-country and other fall sports is you're outside and you're enjoying what I think is the most beautiful time of year in the state of Wisconsin. I would be so sad and crushed for those high school athletes if high school football can't be played. But, like, Hey, join cross country. Like cross country is a blast. It is uh, socially incredible and brings together people of all ages. Well, you know, senior to freshman at least and all different uh, skill levels and fitness levels. Join cross country because even cross country and the, the fitness and the social life that that provides will do wonders for these kids after a couple months of, of doing nothing and not playing sports and not being in school. Tomorrow, Brewers are back. We'll preview opening day coming up on the Wisco Sports Show. Same time, same place. Talk to you then.